Welcome to Video Games The Podcast with me, Jay, and this is another Video Games Podcast, as if the world needed another one of those. But here we are, alas, we are in a still a global pandemic, and I've run out of things to do, so we're starting a video game podcast, another one. So here we go. Uh, I thought a nice way to kick this off, episode one, you know, you got to do a nice pilot to get the like you know get them riled up this first episode is just going to be me telling you about games i like basically uh i figured that's the best way to start this i have a a list for you as if this couldn't be any more typical but i hope maybe you discover some games of this generation before we step in to the new exciting world of elon musk xbox s ps5 Nintendo swap whatever's going down over there uh, it's going to be interesting to see this new generation of games and consoles push us to that next level so in the spirit of that uh, I figure let's look back on this generation the Xbox one the PS4 the PC games the Nintendo switch games uh, what games were there that were decent I've got some honorable mentions I'll include here but for the most part we're just going to go through each year and pick one game that I like. But yeah, with that being said, just understand that the criteria for this list is basically just games that I enjoy. There's no like sacrilegious declaration of these games are the only games that anyone can play or that these games are like the game of the year for their respective years. Uh, no, they're just games that I like. And if you don't like it, <laughs> you can just watch something else. It's free. Shut up. Okay, here we go. 2013, I've picked uh, a game that I think many people played if you got a PS4. Um, it is an exclusive, and it was a game that, like, you know, you really had no other choice unless you were a Knack fan, of which there were two. Uh, and you just had to find a game to play to test out that next-gen, you know, source, you know what I'm saying? So the game I've picked here that I think a lot of people enjoyed, a callback to the classic arcade shoot-em-ups, it's Resogun. Of course, Resogun was developed by House Marquee, a Finnish developer, and they actually are doing a launch title for the PS5 too called Returnal, which is supposed to be a third-person roguelike, and I think that sounds pretty baller. I like roguelikes a lot myself. I'm playing Hades at the moment by Supergiant, who also might make an appearance on this list, by the way. Uh, there you go. So... You know, I think in general, Resogun was a very nice way to launch the, the consoles. It was surprising that, a, you know, a sleeper hit like that would be so powerful and, and resonate with a lot of people. But honestly, I think the truth is that there wasn't much to play unless you, like, you know, got a multi-platform game. This was the first thing to really show you what the next gen might be about. It was sort of the introduction to the PS4, What you know. How far could we push this? Of course, it was just the beginning, as we saw towards the end of the generation with the games that came out then, pushing the absolute limits of the this, the hardware itself. I mean, mine sounds like a jet engine if I leave it on for more than 10 minutes, so my room is like a sauna. So, you know, you really are pushing it by the end of it, and Resogun was a way of just letting us know, give it that little little sauce, little sprinkle on top to let us know what was coming up uh, later down the track, and for that... I, I really respect it. I think it was a really fun game. And I'm a fan of shoot 'em ups. I, I really like that classic arcade, especially that 2D 
arcade style of shoot 'em up. I, I I really like those games. I think they're chaotic and fun. Um, shout out to my Chicken Invader fam out there if you're loving that game because that was my shit growing up. So I think in general, though it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch, you certainly were able to get a lot of hours out of it, and it was cheap, and it was available on day on I think relatively close to day one. So that was all that really mattered, and that's why Resogun deserves a lot of props. So check out Returnal on PS5, I suppose, and we'll see if they live up to the same hype that they've now built up for themselves. All right, I gave you a little spoiler there with Supergiant, and of course, I'm referring to Transistor. Came out in 2014 on the PS4. If you've never heard of this game, it's uh, made by the guys who made Bastion, and as I mentioned before, a, a game on early access at the moment, which is just about to release, I believe, called Hades, which is a roguelike uh, beat 'em up. And you know, they they're known for this very elegant way of storytelling, I would say, within the confines of their genre, of which there are quite a few. Uh, when you have that sort of top-down, uh, you know, relationship with your character, it's it's hard to connect, it's hard to communicate, you know, complex themes, and especially, like, what's going on in the character's mind, you have to do it through kind of pop-up text uh, with, with sort of really good vocal actors if you're lucky to get them. And Supergiant do actually really deliver in that respect. I feel they they really find a way, especially in Transistor, to make a story which does feel uh, intimate and emotional and, you know, romantic, depending on what you're looking for in a video game, I suppose. Uh, and this is all very well communicated with the game's music and the sound design. It's all It's all related to the main character's relationship with her weapon. And... Transistor was interesting too, the way it combined turn-based uh, gameplay uh, with just sort of the, the super giant beat-em-up style that we've gotten used to, and especially with Hades, I would say as well, they, they have that top-down, they have this very, you know, uh, idiosyncratic way of delivering the experience, and I feel like uh, it's it's common across all their games. The Transistor was certainly uh, a, an attempt to make that combat really addicting and fun the way you would combine the different you know specializations that you had to create new combos uh, and actually the game got progressively quite hard uh, the boss fights were quite memorable and difficult and as i said the music was a huge part of the game and very emotional very interesting storytelling experience there by super giant games so i said there'd be at least one or two big mamas on here and I couldn't resist, of course, the year is 2015, and I have to pick uh, one of the games that stuck with me throughout the whole generation. I was looking forward to it when it came out, and I feel like really reimagined a lot of aspects of like the kind of RPG open world games and, and that sort of genre. And of course, of course, without further ado, CD Projekt Red's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, or just The Witcher Wild Hunt, whatever. It's great, and The Witcher has everything, man. What else could you want in an RPG? It's got violence and sex and Gwent. It's got everything you need for a good time. Uh, no, this game does have, have its problems, especially in retrospect. You know, looking back with a 2020 hindsight, you could criticize a lot of these games uh, with the hindsight of where we are now, but I don't think that's fair to the companies that made them and also you know, just the idea that we want to look at it within its own historical context. And I feel like The Witcher, when it came out, uh, was really just innovative in the open world space. 
Uh, we were sort of getting a little stagnated a bit. Same old, same old. The Witcher came through with its sexy man as the main character with his white locks and his sharp swords. He's got two of them, man. He's slashing them and he's casting fire spells. And I think that just, I think, as a character, Geralt really did uh, pioneer a, a real innovation, especially in terms of open world mechanics and the way the quests work and the way they were intertwined with the main narrative. Um, and also the just the depth of the storytelling. A lot of those side quests you would do uh, were the best because the nature of the, the story in, in that world of Rivia is, you know, it's very open to doing these kind of side narratives where Geralt just has his own thing going on that's not connected to anything of the, relating to the main story or Syria or anything like that. And it's just a really great interwoven example of how a game can really tell a different story do it in a different way have this dynamic and kind of like very much alive nature to it um the witcher kind of showed us that again this genre could be you know re-exhilarated and it could feel really you know novel and i feel like the one downside of the witcher wild hunt was certainly the combat i feel like a lot of people had very uh, very accurate and and reasonable criticisms and i think partly that's due to the fact that it's a pc game fundamentally i played it on both pc and ps4 uh all the way through and honestly on the controller it just has its limitations frankly it's much more designed for a more arcadey sort of style of combat where you can use the spell and and attack wheels to quickly select kind of very easy to use spells and stuff like that whereas the witcher in terms of the combat does have a significant amount of, of depth to it when you do have the greater amount of tools at your input disposal so that being said i think cd project red absolutely killed it and you know as i said this, you know i don't need them they're not getting any award from me they've got enough obviously and that's it really i can't wait for cyberpunk 2077 and i think that's going to be you know very interesting i can't wait for that game uh if it comes out and doesn't get delayed again of course because that's become a bit of a meme uh you know hopefully it does man but you can't you can't rush these things you gotta you know if i trust cd project red to put together a game like the witcher and with all the polish that you know they did you know give them a give them a minute they'll they'll, they'll serve you up something spicy i'm sure and keanu i mean come on you got to give him a little bit of breathing room i think delay it as much as you want man cook that pie up until it's nice and ready to go and that's not white supremacy i'm sorry i don't want to offend anyone out there uh that if you're listening to the audio version i just did the okay sign i'm sorry in aussie land it's just a larrikin sort of how do you do uh too easy mate that's what we say we go too easy mate um but i can't use that anymore damn the internet's ruined everything oh my goodness moving right along to 2016 we have a game i hope many of you haven't heard of because if you haven't you got to play this thing it's so great if you love rhythm games which i do um i love i loved guitar hero uh, i never got that good at it but just the you know adaption of uh the rhythmic aspects of video gaming bringing that out more i love that shit and especially when it's combined really elegantly in an arcade setting so this game amplitude if you haven't played this thing check it out it's on ps4 again it's an exclusive but Honestly, it's worth getting the PS4 for. It's very fun. Uh, it's got a kind of versus mode as well that I've played quite a bit of that initially got me into the game. Um, but I would say the real richness is in the single player. 
the way the game works is essentially you have like a song in the style of something like Guitar Hero, but instead of having the individual frets and you're playing all of them at once and the sort of goal of the rhythmic mechanic is to stay in tune with all of the, the buttons and never miss a single hit, Amplitude actually puts you on a single track. So you might just be playing the, the, uh, the, the hits for the drums or the bass or the vocals or whatever and it kind of exaggerates that aspect of the song as you're playing it and the goal is to swap between tracks to sort of put together the song and so it's very interesting the way the story is set out it's not very complex or deep but it's just the basis for explaining possibly what's going on in the game is that you're sort of put, putting together a coma patient's brain and by doing by connecting all the tracks in each song you're fulfilling these neural links in, inside her uh, neurochemistry. And that's very, it's just a, you know, cheeky thing, I suppose. But just the mechanics of the game in general, I, I have to say that new kind of way of doing the single individual tracks and the rhythm was very interesting. And I think harmonics are just so good at that. They, they make it so satisfying. And uh, Amplitude was, was, of course, based off a, a previous game that came out in the PS2 that had a bit more, like, rocky songs. But this one mostly has techno synthy sort of but a few you know kind of house relaxing tracks too to kind of chill um but in between that the more intense ones with the high bpm honestly i put like a lot of hours into this game i really enjoyed it and if you like rhythm games if that's your thing to sort of have some musical enjoyment and, and feel that satisfaction from like getting your timing right and then getting obsessed with your high scores that's the other thing too it's like you know i'm a high score gamer at the end of the day i like competing um, you know, I like StarCraft 2. I like games that really make you want to uh, sort of have a drive for improvement. I feel like games are, are cool for that respect. And so if you like rhythm, you like high school stuff, this has it all. And also, I think I'll just plug it now, honorable mention. It's not for this year, of course, but Harmonics do have a VR version of uh, their rhythm game. Uh, it's not kind of, it's similar to Amplitude, I suppose, but it's more kind of in the vein of like Beat Saber where you're shooting things and slicing the targets. Uh, but I'm also very fascinated by Beat Saber and the VR rhythm genre. That's its own thing that is a topic for another episode, I am sure. Okay, so 2017 might be the most controversial uh, choice I have here, I think. And it's a big one, but it's certainly not a big game in terms of critics receiving it. Uh, it got all the money of a AAA hit. But in terms of when it came out in 2017, uh, in terms of the hype surrounding it, it really fell on flat ears, I think, for the most part. And also the controversy surrounding the initial bugs and all of the amazing animation memes. And of course, uh, you've probably figured out that I'm talking about Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the original Mass Effect trilogy. Honestly, it's one of my favorite stories uh, in terms of from beginning to end, done in a video game medium, I feel like overall, you know, it has its faults, and certainly number two, I would say, is the the closest to being a impeccable RPG experience, though it has its own faults. Obviously, we can nitpick, but it's my favorite for sure. And you know, it's it was interesting to see that game develop in terms of the mechanics over time, and sort of see how from the beginning of of the Mass Effect trilogy, it got from being less about the RPG elements and quite, you know, more focused on the shooting and third-person action mechanics, which I had no problem with. 
uh, it just you know it's interesting to see that evolve over time or devolve depending on what you played the original game for what you like the original story for i suppose but certainly mass effect has always had a a very deep sense of its characters and it still has its charm about it it still has bad writing and bad jokes from time to time which obviously was in andromeda 2 but the original trilogy had a heart to it had a soul to it that i think really resonated with people so talking about mass effect andromeda you know i didn't play it when it came out i sort of bought into the idea that it was just an atrocious mess frankly, um, and a disappointment, and, you know, why even bother? But, you know, looking into how the game actually was developed in a, a very hasty fashion, um, you know, by a publisher, EA, that is quite, you know, ruthless. You know, you got you have deadlines, you got to get it out, you got to ship it. Um, you know, there's a few interesting documentaries online that you can watch that sort of detail how the, the studio, which was doing a Mass Effect game for the first time, it wasn't the original people... I was the sort of B team uh, at Edmonton Studios doing their first attempt because they were working on Anthem, which of course was a huge smash hit uh, <laughs> and really worth all those resources uh, in retrospect. Um, so, you know, Andromeda just suffered. It, it had a lot of things going for it in retrospect, and I did actually like the game. I played a, a full Mass Effect experience, in my opinion. Um, you know, you do all the side missions and honestly, in terms of the open world elements, it was a real return to form. You know, you had the, uh, the Mako come back for the first time. You were able to, you know, trend, uh, traverse these planetary environments, which were all quite diverse, though, uh, limited overall in terms of the diversity of planets that you could go to. And, you know, it was just interesting to see that, that a lot of that was lost in the initial, controversies surrounding of course the animation and uh, I think as well people were just being disappointed with the maybe like it still had the campy sort of nature to it it was still a bit you know bad writing and you know clips were taken out uh, you know from the, the story and, and that's all well and good but it lacked the original soul it ra lacked the original uh, heart of the uh, Commander Shepard uh, Mass Effect trilogy and I think just, you know, that's what people really felt is just that missing soul to it. But I, I included it on this list because, you know, there were other games in 2017 that, you know, came out and were great. But I, I think this is an interesting one because if you were a fan of the originals like I was, you might have ne just completely never got around to playing this. You might have dismissed it entirely. Now I'd say, well, give it another go, especially, you know, if you've got nothing else to do and you're just uh, loving the pandy and doing your thing, then I would advise... Maybe just check it out. If you like it, there are, there's a lot of hours in there. And certainly if you're craving anything Mass Effect uh, of that nature and you just have played the trilogy too many times, uh, you know, just give it a go. I, I would I would put that out there as my positive uh, vibe of the day to a game that I feel like overall did get an unfair shake. And because of its, uh, you know, very tough release, we were denied the trilogy with Ryder and you know say that you say what you want about that maybe that's a great thing in your opinion but in my opinion it would have been nice to at least have some more Mass Effect in the tube so who knows what comes next okay almost there 2020 is coming up uh though no one is looking forward to it because who was was ever looking forward to this year uh 2018 so for this part I think I'll just do an honorable mention before I give my 2018 pick and 2018 pick is another slammer but 
Um, certainly a game that I think is it deserves it regardless. But first, how about Dragon Ball Fighter Z? Uh, this has been a, a, a sort of IP that's been around for a while. You either love it or you hate it. I fall into the love it category, um, and maybe you just m dismissed it as like weeb, you know, weeb stuff. And look, I love the weebs, weebs, you know, if you're out there. I got friends that are weebs. It's okay. You can let it out. Be you, man. It's, you know, the weebs, the weebs get a bad rap in my view. Uh, they're good people. They're good people. They're fedora loving, uh, miladies, and they, they really put in a lot of effort into, uh, into grooming we'll put it that way so you know <laughs> look i like dragon ball z uh, it's really the only cartoon uh, cartoon anime um that i watch but i just think you know in terms of the execution of this game uh, arc system works which have done other sort of fighting games in the anime world uh they they have really just nailed it it's such an easy to learn game too it's got very simple mechanics you can reduce all of the complex combos into just single button presses so even you and your mate that really doesn't understand fighting games you can just tell them look mate just keep mashing this button whenever you get the chance and we're gonna have a fun match and it's got a really deep roster of all the characters so if you do like dragon ball like i do um, there's a lot of satisfaction in being able to play them all and every character does feel unique too it's like there's a lot of effort goes into the visual style and the uh, all their moves set uh, is quite they're all unique you know there's no copy pasta nonsense going on so just as far as a fighting game even if you took out the Dragon Ball IP I think it'd be worth mentioning I don't know what you'd put in its place but certainly that's worth mentioning now as an honorable mention but for 2018 I have to pick uh, Sony's original Santa Monica studio IP God of War and I pick it because for me it was, though, you know, obviously it's a massive game. Uh, you've probably played it if you have a PS4. It was just such a interesting, you know, re redefinition of that, what, of what that genre was, of what that series was, you know. Uh, we were so much... Get, we were so much more accustomed to Kratos as being a just sort of beat-em-up uh, figure in his games, just sort of mashing buttons and... You know, and sort of, you know, the story, though, it has its emotional moments. Uh, certainly, I don't think we're shedding many tears during the stories of the first uh, few games. And, and certainly, there's a lot of rich, uh, you know, ancient Greek lore in the in the tri first original tri trilogy that really uh, was, you know, informative. A lot of us learned, you know, the, the Greek gods from that game and, and a lot of, you know, weird other weird facts about uh ancient myths of that time so you know certainly the the original trilogy did a good job in that respect but i feel like the ps4 god of war uh, 2018 release was just so ambitious but effectively ambitious and really really just took the story to another level by going into the uh you know the lore of vikings but also finding a way to attach that to kratos and his uh family and wrapping that all up in the story was just was just really well done frankly and overall i think without you know obviously no spoilers honestly i, I don't even have a bad I try, i'm trying to think of like anything constructive to say because i otherwise i'm just saying hey go buy it it's great um but honestly it's like it almost has no downtime it's like it's very the rhythm of the game is so smooth and if anything maybe the latter kind of parts of the third act 
um, get a little bit repetitive, sometimes a bit slow. Uh, you know, in terms of the story beats, we could be hustling a little more. But who cares, man? The combat was so fun and so raw and and had that nostalgic beat-em-up flavor to it but with a new sort of cautious of caution about it where you did have to be a bit more tactical and in terms of how you approached enemies which did you know do a lot of damage when they actually landed a hit yeah i just think uh god it was such a good game man and it's not as controversial as our final pick uh for 2020 which again i'm sure everyone's played it but who cares it's my podcast so <laughs> i actually thought i had a few you know sleeper hits kind of indies left but actually the rest of these are just triple a titles so either you played these you like them or you don't but you get to hear my thoughts on them and that's all this is really anyway so at 2019 i've picked uh the first battle royale i think i had to pick one because you know they sort of define the console generation uh but also with daisy originating as a mod and then H1Z1 and PUBG. It was very interesting to watch that develop because you got to see a kind of arms race happening again within the video game uh, world. And it's interesting where, you know, something like Dota starts as a Warcraft 3 mod uh, in terms of like custom games. And it's so popular that an entire genre spawns out of it. But it, within the development of that genre, you had League of Legends that initially was a buggy mess and imbalanced and dota come out with uh its own thing but also you had heroes of new earth shout out to my heroes of new earth players um and then obviously blizzard had a go with heroes of the storm which is now i believe shut down so you know r.i.p to the the heroes uh, you can still play it but i feel like all the esports stuff is done so it's fascinating to watch a, a genre like that explode and apex legends is of course uh, which came out in 2019 by Respawn, uh, the Titanfall developers. Uh, it was very uh, interesting to see EA throw their hat in the ring, put it that way. I'd put off playing these games for a while. I just didn't... I like the idea of a battle royale. I just didn't think that there were any good, uh, just mechanically speaking, in terms of just having fun. Um, I don't really like the PUBG style of combat and, and shooting. The gunplay just feels very odd to me. Um, so when Apex came out with a whole class system, um, with everything you needed for it to be an effective launch, including the fact that it was free, uh, it was just, it just captured my attention and consumed the most amount of hours in terms of the battle royale for me. Uh, the reason, yeah, Fortnite was out at the same time too, but honestly, I think Fortnite is very, I don't know, if, I don't, I'm not 12, so I can't enjoy that, but you know. Respect to my 12-year-olds, of course. Uh, we're all 12 once, uh, unfortunately. Um, for, if it's bad, that is. I mean, maybe maybe it's great being 12. Maybe you're, like, you're loving it. You're swiping your mum's credit card and <laughs> buying all your gamer points. Uh, you know, getting all those V-Bucks, whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, you know, I like that they're still developing the game too. I like that they adding stuff to it of course you know they're making tons of money off it it's not as if they're doing it out of charity but uh, it is interesting to see this new space that we're in in gaming where free-to-play really rules and because of that you have these kind of kind of games as service uh, ideas where like it's just never going to end as long as you keep paying them for stuff they're going to keep making stuff and 
you know, we're just in a different landscape than we were five, ten years ago where you just bought the box or you just bought the thing and, and was a product and that was it. You didn't need any uh, any sort of further stuff after that. You just had to... But then, you know, expansion packs and DLC. It's almost as if we've seen a trend with the post-development cycle to just be continuous and free-to-play is just the only way to really make that really effective. Um, of course, you know, other games still do the DLC model and it works to an extent, especially if the season pass sells well. But I, I think all the money, I think it's obvious, all the money is in free-to-play audiences that just keep paying, that just keep paying for shit for, you know, and if you just keep supplying them with stuff, they're going to they're stick around and it's very interesting to see how that's going to play out. Uh, maybe we see, you know, more Apex Legends and more kind of genre arms races like that. We saw it with the, uh, you know, Team Fight Tactics and Dota Underworlds in terms of the auto chess genre. So you might keep seeing that in terms of innovation within this space. It's not going to be um, as dynamic as it once was. It's more going to be, you know, someone has an idea, but then everyone just copies it and, EA gets in, Activision gets in, all the big boys come to play and and that's kind of how it has to go uh, at the moment. So it's interesting that Apex was a part of that and I feel like it was one of the few that actually stood out. It's still played today and it has survived quite uh, quite deeply into its run, which can't be said of a lot of its uh, predecessors that originated the genre to begin with. Woo, okay, 2020, this is going to be the favorite run. Of course, because this game was just loved by everyone and not a, not a bad word was ever said about it. <laughs> it was just perfect. No, no one crit criticized it at all. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the impeccable and 10 out of 10 around the board, Last of Us 2 by Naughty Dog. No, okay. I'll stop the shtick. Um... Obviously, this game was hugely controversial, and I think for reasons that are even just like, I don't know, still bizarre f to me now, um, and actually, I remember doing a podcast for another show around, uh, you know, before the game came out, and just noticing that because of the nature of the leaks and how kind, how obscure they were, but also the fact that they touched on the, the, the fact that, like, certain story themes were, like, woke or something, and and just aspects of the writing weren't as sharp as, as people should be expecting. And of, and of course, the main spoilers, which I'm not going to spoil here, obviously, um, were were put out there that, you know, completely um, ruined it for some people because they couldn't imagine the second game um, even going anywhere because of this main story beat, which happens very early on, which is a massive change in what you would expect from a sequel to a game with uh, those stories and those characters. Fair enough. And I actually think that's... It's not... I don't blame anyone from ha for having that reaction, honestly, at the end of the day. All I can report is my own experience. And I can say that... Playing The Last of Us 2, honestly, putting aside um, the kind of reaction you have to the, the main story beats, there's just so much to appreciate at the end of the day. I... I it, you saw a similar thing with Game of Thrones, where like people get so invested in these characters and the stories that they need it. To, they need a perfect kind of Act Three, and of course, Game of Thrones, the the latter seasons completely suck balls. I'm not gonna defend them for even a second. 
I just don't get that. Like, it, it's just like, it's kind of a very human story to see something born and out of such, you know, raw potential and fire and see it be so successful and popular and so good. Um, like the original Last of Us obviously was. That had no controversy at all. It was a universal praise by um, everyone to Naughty Dog to, to pull off such a magnificent novel story in, in the video games and really push it to that next level. But with the, the second game, yeah, people people have their own expectations of where things have to go. And it's just, it's fascinating for me as just a fellow human to just watch people get really uh, tied to their to their desires about how things should end up. And for me, I didn't like some of the main story aspects of The Last of Us 2. I think some of the writing was cheesy and unnecessary and betrayed some of the character themes that we had got to establish in the first game um no doubt but there was so much to like about it that i feel like anyone who was delivering a, a complete panning of the game completely dismissed that and they they wanted to focus on the the kind of minor story gripes or if, if for them maybe major story gripes but but not acknowledging like how good the cutscenes were or how good the um, combat was in terms of upgrading the fluidity of of going through buildings and taking down enemies with a lot more uh, rhythm to it. It wasn't as sort of cover to cover as the first game was. You had a lot more freedom. The way the animation played into that with characters naturally touching things and pushing enemies up against the environment. Um, one thing I really liked about the second game actually was the way AI... Uh, responded to, you know, you killing an enemy. They would shout, oh, Sabby, oh, Jerry, oh, no, you killed my cousin, or whatever, the, you know, whatever they say. Um, and it's interesting because the first game did have a slight uh, hiccup in that it promised kind of very complex AI and didn't really deliver. So it was, it was interesting to see the second game pick up where the first game left off there. And, you know, I, yeah, at the end of the day, look, you either liked this game or you didn't. You either played it or you didn't at this point. And I got to say, I wasn't happy with the story at, at the end of the day. I think it did drag on a little bit. Um, but I feel like overall, I still loved it. I still loved the experience. I still loved the journey that I was put on. And certainly there was something to be said with the way that they juxtaposed different characters in the story, which of course, you know what I'm talking about if you've played it. Um, and, and sort of play with their inner inner motivations and themes to, to tie together a broader story about the perils of revenge or, you know, what it does to uh, eye for an eye leaves everybody blind, that kind of trope, whatever you want to say about it. Um, I think it was done effectively at the end of the day. You've got to give Naughty Dog credit. I don't even really love, you know, say the Uncharted games. I feel like... I'm much more of a, a gamer that likes the kind of focus on mechanics and, and that's why I like rhythm games, right? Fusing the mechanics with the music to create this very viscerally satisfying experience. But certainly Naughty Dog know what they're doing when it comes to cinematic, uh, very visually driven gaming experiences with complex characters that are written to be really human being and, and, and well-rounded, complex, deep people. And... And it's, of course, with the, the, the degree of cinematics, the, the visual fidelity, even on my scummy PS4 original, not even the pro, look, man, this thing really did 
um, leave an impact, I feel like. And, and again, fair enough. If you didn't, if you couldn't get over the initial stuff about the story, or even you did get over it, you played it to the end, you still didn't like it and thought that it would, it completely shat on the memories you had of the, of the first game. I'm not going to dispute that. That's fair enough, man. Um, I would just say, uh, at the end of the day, you just want to get the best out of your own media experiences as an, as a, as a, you know, human being, as an audience member. And, um, and certainly you shouldn't, you shouldn't chastise Naughty Dog for, um, telling their story. I, th- I feel like that's always the, the, the final move, which is very troubling to me is to see people attack them for doing the story that they want to do at the end of the day it's not yours i mean you get to experience it and and i'm sure they're very grateful for their longtime fans and customers but it's not for you to decide if you like you you can make your own at the end of the day you can go on and make your own uh, last of us fan fiction and tell your story Maybe they'll consider it for part three. I don't know. Maybe if you make some, you know, really tantalizing stuff as we uh, got to experience in the second game, some raunchy material, you know, you know, who knows, baby? Naughty Dog are looking at you. So there you go. That's about it. That's all I got. Uh, there's uh, eight notable games from this console generation and cheers to the next man i mean you know it's been a long long time coming uh, we got we got new consoles that are basically just pcs now so that's cool uh you know all the power to them keep making them more powerful and and give me them gpus baby because i want that big screen couch life i mean i respect you pc master race out there i was one of you uh in my starcraft days for sure but i don't know man there's something about like relaxing with the controller on your couch big tv nothing beats it so i'm definitely going to be there for the next gen and if you have any other suggestions i suppose uh you know about you know this generation what games i left out what games you enjoyed leave them in the comments below and give it a like subscribe that'll tell me if you want more episodes of this thing again it's just pandy boredom so you gotta let me know if you want this stuff if you want me to come back you'll be like jay video games the podcast where it's at like, subscribe, comment, tell us what's up, and that'll do it. So take care of yourself, keep gaming, and I don't know, be safe out there, man. Pandy on.